the Gone Boss Podcast. I'm your host, Matt Howell. And I'm your host, Angie Rogers Howell. What is the Gone Boss Podcast? Well, it's a weekly podcast featuring awesome people in our community. We'll interview them, find out what makes them tick, the cool things they're doing to make our community a great place to live and work, and how they've gone boss. Be sure to check us out at goneboss.com or hashtag goneboss. We're on Instagram at goneboss2k or find us on Facebook by searching for Gone Boss. We're brought to you today by Forbidden Fruit Tattoo and Piercing, located right there on McGalliard in Muncie. Yes, and we're getting into spoopy season. Spoopy? Yes, it's like all the cool kids say it. Spooky. Spooky it's not, season. Yeah, yeah, with a K, right? Yes, but the cool kids say spoopy. What? I, I don't know. I <laughs> thought you were actually mispronouncing spooky. I was on spoopy. <laughs> Why? Why is that even cool? No, it just is. People say it all on TikTok all the time. The spoopy oh, season. Oh, the TikToks. Yeah, the TikToks to say it. it's cool. I don't know. Don't ask me questions. I'm. We all know I'm not cool, so it's fine. Well, anyway, you're, you're cool watching TikToks. I'm watching the reels. Two weeks after the TikToks so come out. Here so here in fine. about two weeks, I'll I'll know what. Yeah, when spoopy season is spoopy. over, you will know about it. Don't <laughs> worry. Anyway, back to our wonderful sponsor. It is spoopy season, and Adam is having a promotion. $100 off any Halloween-themed or spooky, spooky, tattoo until the end of October. Any size, any style. So I can get a Scooby-Doo if face. He's, if he's spooky. <laughs> Stop saying it. It's just weird. <laughs> it's weirded you out. <laughs> but he's giving 100 bucks off. 100 bucks off any Halloween-themed. Halloween so if like... Tattoo. If Scooby-Doo is the Grim, Grim Reaper, Scooby-Doo Grim Reaper, yeah. that would probably be a halloween theme well, scooby-doo thing. is kind of a halloween-y kind of thing you think so oh yeah ah, i mean scooby-doo is an anytime thing but whatever okay exactly. but frankenstein yeah dracula elvira, elvira. some bats some uh spider webs or like what about maybe... rob zombie would that be i think he's halloween themed <laughs> yes or like corpse bride or any of those kinds of things i think that would work so 100 bucks off if you're thinking about a spooky tattoo learn more at forbidden fruit art Dot com. In the studio with me, I have Carrie Wright of Carrie Wright Silk right here in downtown Muncie. How are you doing today? I'm doing great, Matt. Thanks. You know, not enough hours in the day. Absolutely. I know. You you have to take time out to do this. <laughs> <laughs> I'm happy to do it. I was honored to be asked. Now, uh, I've been wanting to ask this question all day. So how'd you get involved in the silk trade? Yes, it, it is a strange <laughs> thing for Muncie, I understand. Um, about 16 years ago now, I was asked to make something decorative to hang on either side of a baptistry in a church that had really large, blank, white walls. Okay. And I've I've been a seamstress all my life. I've made wedding gowns and, you know, done all kinds of things um, artistically and just am a student of multiple disciplines and had seen silk painting at an art fair when I was in college. I went with a friend and it was the first piece of art I ever purchased was a silk painting, a, a small piece, but was really mesmerized by the luminosity of the medium and just the play of the light against the fabric and the fact that you could put a paintbrush to a piece of fabric really intrigued me and have it not look like a puff paint on a pair of sneakers, you know? <laughs> so it just really captivated me. And after doing a tremendous amount of internet research, 
started playing around with the dye and absolutely fell in love with it. All right. Now tell me a little bit about the process because I don't know that much. And <laughs> you've mentioned you you paint on it and then there's some dyeing. What? Yep. <laughs> what is this? Well, it's um probably not as involved as it would seem. I do offer silk painting classes for beginners if anybody out there is interested in trying out the process. Um, so all of the silk that I dye starts white and you're basically using silk as your canvas instead of a cotton canvas stretched on a frame like an oil painter would use. So silk is the paper, for example. And it's very much like watercolor as a process because it's a, a wet medium and you're working always light to dark. So if you're familiar at all with watercolor, it's a very similar process. All of the silk has to be steamed for about three to five hours, depending upon the color palette, so that the dyes are completely color fast, which makes the silk then hand washable, which surprises a lot of people. But yeah. <laughs> silk that is hand painted is really easy to care for. Um, you can get it wet and it will come back just as vibrant and never fade. Now, correct me if I'm wrong. You know, I'm going back in history. Silk from Silk Worms. Is it still made that way or is it artificial? It, no, it's absolutely still made that way. And really? Yes, the it's official. <laughs> not to get too scientific, but <laughs> the silk is made um, by a special, a very special worm called the Bombyx mori moth. And that particular worm has become so domesticized that it's completely dependent upon humans for their life. So they, they eat a tremendous load of white mulberry leaves. So you'll hear silk referred to as mulberry silk for that reason. And it's because they're of what they're eating. So yeah, a single cocoon is one long continuous filament of silk and one cocoon combined with eight or nine other cocoons get woven together to create a single thread. And then all of those threads get woven together to make the fabric. So that's it's, a lot of cocoons. It's, it's a lot of silk. It's a lot of cocoons. It's a lot of moths. Uh, China is still corner to on the market they have about 85 percent of the silk production in the world still so most of the silk that I'm painting on does come from China although I recently am very excited to be painting on some vintage kimono silk that was hand woven in Kyoto Japan and I've been trying to get my hands on that for quite a long time and just recently found someone in Beverly Hills who's importing so now you mentioned that uh, people can take classes with you to learn how to do this now, where are you located at, and what's that website? I am right above the caffeinery, downtown Muncie, in the Murray Building, on the corner of Walnut and Charles Street at 405 South Walnut, so just south of the caffeinery door. Head right up the stairs, and I have a beautiful downtown view uh, with 12 gorgeous windows in that Murray Building. And my website is really simple. It's carryrightsilk.com, C-A-R-R-I-E. Now, take me back. Are you a Munsonian? I am. Okay, you've I always am. been here. <laughs> Born and raised in Delaware County. Um, although I have not always been here, I moved away and 
of course, like a lot of young people in the 80s and 90s said, I'm never going back. And Oh, they <laughs> never, still say that, but they come back. <laughs> never say never. I think Muncie's fabulous, and I'm very proud to be downtown now, living in the Old West End. Now, where'd you go to high school at? Delta High School. Oh, you went to Delta. Even yep. though you're from Muncie, you went out, I, out to the county. I went out to the county. I was born and raised about five miles west of Eaton, out okay. in the sticks, very much on the northern end of Delaware County, close to Grant. So... Yes, I, I love those views out there. I think the, the country of Delaware County is just absolutely beautiful and very underrated. And a lot of the art that I make now, I think, is heavily influenced by those wide open skies and, you know, the colors of our four seasons. So happy to be here. Tell me about college. You mentioned it earlier. You and a friend, uh, that's, that's yep. where you came across the silk painting. It the first is. One. I'm, I'm actually a Ball State graduate. I graduated in about three and a half years since I was just, you know, really excited to get out of Muncie. So my whole goal was to get out of Ball State as quickly as I could. So I took a couple of summer classes and some overtime schedules in the fall to graduate early and then moved to Connecticut and was there for a couple of years. Did you focus on art back in college or something you else? You know, I didn't. I focused on something else. I'm I'm a normal, you know, I was raised by very practical people, parents who were, of, of course, supportive of what I wanted to do and what my passions were, but uh, very practical people. And I'm thankful for that. I mean, they gave, they gave me a really strong work ethic and, you know, were encouraging me that you ought to be doing something productive that you can support yourself. And art is always going to be a hobby. And I think that's one of the things that I wish I'd known when I was younger was that it actually is something that you can make a living doing. You just have to be maybe a little bit creative about how you're going to make that living yeah. <laughs> doing your art. So, and you have to be willing to modify what making a living looks like. So, so um, when did you graduate? I graduated with a degree in speech communications, okay. actually. Interesting. And, yeah, I've always been really intrigued by the way that people communicate, uh, the words that we choose, the way that we interact with one another. Um, and it seemed like a good all-round degree that would fit well in something business and something hopefully one day creative. Um, Educational as well? Yes, but <laughs> I, I think one of the... One of the difficulties was I never really decided what I wanted to be when I grew up. Yeah. And was I was interested in everything, you know. <laughs> it no, it's a common theme. Kind of a jack these, of all trades. Through these interviews it has been, I started here and I finished somewhere else. And it had nothing to do with the with what I went for. Exactly. Uh, type situation. Exactly. So. And I, I have a heart for young people, I think, for that reason. Just I really struggled. I was definitely an overachiever. I, I did very, very well in school. School came really easy to me. So I was bored a lot. And that made me interested in everything and also meant I, I had a hard time settling on what was going to be the one thing and just became bored very easily with, with whatever I was focusing on. And, and so it was really hard to find my way. It, it took quite a long while for me to, to get to a place where I am now, which is, oh, I think this is what I was born for. I think this is why I'm here. I think, I think this is why I exist. Not necessarily just to paint on silk, but to make beautiful things and to be an artistic person. So you got out of Muncie. What'd you do next? I was selling advertising. 
so back in the day when Rudder Communications existed, I worked for them and that was how I got to Connecticut was getting transferred with Rudder out to an office that they had in Norwich, Connecticut. So cable advertising? Cable advertising. And I went from that kind of commercial sales to getting recruited by the top radio station that was on the East Coast at the time and started selling radio ads and ended up just really hating all of it. Really? (laughs) Yeah, I really just... (laughs) <laughs> it's one of those things that it it just was not engaging. I don't know. It, you just trudged it, through that one. There. I trudged through that one. I trudged through a lot of my life. I went <laughs> actually until I got here. I went through a very long process of finding my way. I, it's a difficult thing to know that you're capable of doing a lot of things and not exactly knowing where to where to point yourself, mm-hmm. where where to focus. Um, So I went from selling advertising to deciding, okay, I'm never going to be at home in Connecticut. I'm a Midwestern girl through and through. I say hi to strangers at the supermarket. And when you're on the East Coast, it really is true in New England that there is an attitude. (laughs) Um, (laughs) And I understand why. I understand the culture there, having lived there. But if you are not from there, you really are never going to be from there. And and you know, missed my family. My priorities changed. I grew up a lot. I so about uh, what age are you when you when you come back to Muncie? I came back. I actually came back to Indianapolis. I did not come okay. back to Muncie. I I moved to Indianapolis when I came back. That was kind of the compromise in my mind for my life. Um, and I was 22 when I came back. So I graduated. Wait, when you I, did a lot of stuff there. I early did a on lot of then. stuff. I had, I we had just bought a condo. A lot. I thought out we were there. talking 10, 15 years. No, here, but no, I was I was there for a couple of years, but it was really, really formative in my life. And I highly recommend that you know if if young people have that itch, you know, definitely move away and and be on your own. It will grow you up. It will change your priorities. It'll open your eyes to some things in your own life, help you find your own voice. So moving away and coming back, I had no idea still what I wanted to do. I just knew that I didn't want to be in sales and was lost and decided I'm going to go bartend because I can make a lot of cash really fast and support myself. And mm-hmm. it, it I don't have to think about anything. When you leave work, you leave work. It's over. There's no pressure to have a career. I'm just going to... And I floundered there, too. I just... Poked, what was the first bar you worked poked at? Poked around. TGI Fridays. Awesome. <laughs> Keystone at the Crossing. <laughs> oh, very nice. So that movie, The Office, I, yeah. I love the movie. You had some um, flair on I that. had the flair, yes. We all thought we were so cool, you know, in so, my... Combat so, boots. So what happened after that then? I started waiting tables at a fine dining restaurant that is no longer in Indianapolis. It was called Peter's. And when I was there, I really, I thought pretty hard about going to culinary school. I, I thought maybe as a chef, I would have a creative outlet, but still be able to have a career that was pretty much guaranteed. You, you never hear about a chef being out of work. You can always find work somewhere. <laughs> but I ended up meeting my first husband and getting married instead, which really changed the the whole trajectory of what is now the rest of my life. And I think as much as that turned out to be a, an unfortunate, poor decision to marry him, it's The still, first ones always are. The, <laughs> 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 well, 
I do, while I don't want to be a big proponent of divorce, I, I do think that there's something to be said for being older and wiser when you get married. So yes. yeah, it's just a, a long meandering story, really, Matt. I and uh, am an open book, but I think there's a time limit on how much you would want me to share. <laughs> I could I could tell you stories to make well, your hair stand. Well, on like end, you said, but... it was what about twelve years ago or whatever you got into the silk painting, right? Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. before that, take me take me there and 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 that change. Yeah, I've had about five different lives in the 50 years that I've been alive. I went from getting married and getting my first big corporate job as a married person because I was still doing what I thought I was quote unquote supposed to be doing. Mm-hmm. I was a a smart kid, a capable kid, so you ought to be making money. And at that point, I just kind of threw my hands up in the air and said, well, all right, I guess I'm going to enter the business world because you know, I'm getting older, I'm approaching 30, and I really ought to get on with it, you know. And so even though I didn't really know what I wanted to do, I just sort of felt like I ought to do something. And it was that supposed to that kept driving me forward, that feeling of I'm supposed to be doing something important, I'm supposed to be doing something big, because I'm capable, and I ought to. And and it, so I ended up in this really boring, very demanding corporate job where I was uh, selling technology. This is at the boom of the internet. So I was telling, uh, selling um, back then. It's called an ASP solution. So okay, yeah, I was. I remember I, those days. Okay, so <laughs> I was selling technology into the compliance end of licensing within the financial services industry. So it was a highly complex, highly regulated, very technical industry. And I have a mind for technical things and science. And so I retained information very well. And yeah, I have to ask you, did you make bank? I made a lot of bank. (laughs) (laughs) That's awesome. I made a lot of money. I made a lot of money as a young person. I squirreled away a lot of money. And I'm very thankful that I did because truly, you know, my life blew up. And I had an unfaithful first husband and was miserable. Do you feel like you, uh, you know, lost your soul or sold your soul or any of that during that period of time? Um, I never felt like I... I lost my soul so much <laughs> as I never had it and and couldn't find it. Okay. If that makes sense. Yeah. I, I knew that I was lost. I knew that I was desperate for more. I I had no idea how to navigate my life at that time. And, you know, my whole life was blowing up with having an unfaithful husband and I'm working it was nothing to work 80 hours a week. And well, of course, your husband's cheating on you if you're never home. And I was flying, you know, here, there, here, and, there and everywhere, coast to coast, three weeks out of every month and was never home. And it was miserable. It really is miserable to live in an airport and in a hotel. It's not glamorous to have that life. I call it golden handcuffs. Like <laughs> I will never go back to that. I would blow up my life if anything ever started to feel even remotely close to that. I think I have some PTSD. Yeah, we all do. <laughs> not to <laughs> you know, not to not to take anything away from our soldiers who truly have a, a PTSD, but it was a traumatic kind of uh, turning point in my life and it was it was um, fortunate that I did make enough money that I was able to leave it all behind and just chuck it all. And that was when after I was divorced for about eight months, I ended up meeting my now amazing husband, Dan, uh, who 
really opened my eyes to what it means to be a full-time freelance artist. And he has been, for most of his career, a full-time freelance artist and has been able to make a living being a creative person. He's the first man that I ever met that was not motivated by money, mm-hmm. which was incredibly attractive because I've never really cared Those about money. Those crazy artists. Oh yes. my God. <laughs> I know. I know we are crazy. And hopefully it will never come to living under a bridge together. But he's the first person I've ever met that I think, no, I, I think I could live under a bridge with you and be okay. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. So it's just a long process that it... Meeting him changed a lot of things. I was never able to have children of my own, which was, you know, just a massive sorrow in my life and something that I I just will always carry with me. But he had full custody of three girls and they are beautiful and wonderful. And <laughs> I just instantly fell in love with them. And, you know, it, it was an instant family when we got married. So I was mm-hmm. instant mom to teenagers and just completely out of my depth and instant mom to teenagers now inst- that's instant mom to teenagers <laughs> it's it's complicated <laughs> <laughs> but we found our way and we love each other and and you you know it doesn't have to be supposed to to be right and 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 a lot of the optus fly out of the window and and you just kind of find your way i think if you're you're open and honest and I think the most important part of the story that I'm leaving out is that in the middle of all of that, of meeting Dan, I also met Christ for the first time mm. and really understood um, who Jesus of Nazareth truly is. And that changed everything at 33 years old to finally come to a full knowledge of the truth and to be reading scripture for myself was the absolute turning point in my life. So I can't say enough about how how different it is to not be sure who you are, who you are, or who you want to be when you grow up, not knowing him versus then knowing him. It mm. just, it absolutely changed everything. I, I love that saying, like, uh, I know people who don't know what they want to be when they grow up and they're, they're over 50, they're 60, they're 80. Like, yeah. <laughs> it's just, it's just something. So how'd you go from taking this hobby of painting silk to yeah. to a real business and and now you've got your own space? Like how how has that know. happened? It's it's a real whirlwind. I'm still not sure how it happened. <laughs> and um, when did it start for you? I mean, when was it, the first sale where you were like, Oh yeah, this is this is gonna be a a thing for me? Well, the thing that really changed my perspective on doing art full time was was Dan and I took a 10th anniversary trip on the Queen Mary 2 and crossed the Atlantic. Okay. I'd never even been on a cruise. And here we are on this ocean liner in the high seas of December with 12 foot swells oh, and, no. you know, crashing, <laughs> crashing waves against the hull and uh, pitching and rolling. And it was just brilliant. And I loved it. And it was amazing. And when I when I used to be in beautiful circumstances like that, or really moving circumstances, uh, my impulse was, I just want to paint this. And I felt that way, but I didn't act on it. And it, it came, it just came boiling over. It, it was a sense of, you know, I don't exactly know what I'm doing next with my life. I don't know what my next act is. And I turned to him on the ship and said, I, I don't, I don't know what this means, but I just want to paint every day and I'm tired of making excuses for not doing it. So I think I'm going to start a business when we get back. And being the true artist that he is, he said, I don't understand what starting a business has to do with painting every day. (laughs) And, you know, me being a farm girl looked at him like, 
Well, because I have to justify my time. <laughs> I can't just paint every day. There has to be a reason I'm painting every day. Uh, so I started Carrie Wright Silk just because I didn't know how to name the business. And it seemed obvious, like, well, if you just name it your name, people will get to know your name. And you're painting silk. And so just call it silk. And that's how it came about. I started on Etsy and threw three scarves on the internet on Etsy and they sold in a week. And I kind of quickly had to figure out all the things you have to figure out. So how uh, you're, I have to package this, I have to mail this with some extras, and I don't even have extras figured out. And I was really chasing my tail. And in April of that same year, this was 2018. I I started a website just because Etsy's, you know, Etsy's Etsy. I have a lot of There's high, a love, hate high relationship. octane <laughs> <laughs> views about Etsy, but I decided to get off of Etsy and try to keep some of that, the, the website traffic and the revenue in my pocket instead of in their pocket and yeah. get a little bit more control early on. Uh, so I started com and got on social media for the first time, started an Instagram account, which was just, ugh. I still, <laughs> that's still a love-hate relationship posting, look at what I made. It's, it's completely antithetical to, to what is going on on the inside of me, but you have to, you have to use the tools that are available. So I started in 2018 that summer. I had four different people in a manner of two weeks say, have you ever heard of Indiana Artisan? I think you should apply. Your work is amazing. And so I just assumed that I should apply because, you know, when somebody form four times in two weeks, it's yeah. a pattern. <laughs> you should probably apply. And earned the designation. And so I became an Indiana Artisan in 20. 18 and then went to my first marketplace which is the first weekend of april at the fairgrounds every mm-hmm. year in 2019 and then the next year covid happened yeah and everything shut down and so no marketplace for two years which had been the only art fair i'd ever done in my whole life uh, and that was when the website really started to take off because i i started of course Dan being who Dan is, we have a whole studio in our home. So there's green screen technology and, you know, there's sound equipment, there's video editing ability. So we went to work with getting online and I started doing some um, online shoots and going live on Mm -hmm. Facebook to sell my things. And um, I can't say enough about Carl and Barbara Schaefer at Gordy's Fine Art and Framing. Give no, them a I've good seen, plug. I've, I've seen your work on the walls there. Yes, and that has been incredible in terms of the local audience. So it's one thing to have shipping happening out of your house, but to truly have some local patrons who fall in love with your work and will actually hire you to do commissions for their home is just huge. And it, it is the only way, I think, Carl and Barbara having me um, last October as their October show really changed things for me. And it was because of knowing that I had that opportunity last October that I I also had the impulse um, to do a pop-up shop for Christmas because the previous December I had had appointments in my home Mm -hmm. for Christmas shoppers and couldn't. The appointments kept filling up, so I kept adding Saturdays to my December. And so I thought, well, maybe maybe if I was street side, you know, a pop-up shop would work in Muncie, even though I had never had a huge Muncie following, even though I'm local. You know, it's just, right. it's really hard to get your name out. 
So I did the pop-up shop at Olive and Slate there on Walnut, where Ply Space is now. Yeah. And it was amazingly successful. I was shocked at the number of people that graced my doorstep and purchased things I had handmade and hand-painted and was just really encouraging and gave me the vision for having classes and having an open studio and being able to participate in First Thursdays and really being involved downtown. So I knew I can never go back now. Like the the tiny little 80 square feet that I'm working in at home is no longer going to suffice. Yeah. I have a lot of people asking me, how do I find you after Christmas? Um, what? How, how do I get in touch with you? What? And, and not really wanting to just shop online, wanting to come to my home, which is, is fine, but you're constantly setting up and tearing down and setting up and tearing down. And it, it just became obvious that if I ever in my life, and here I am 50, you know, I turned 50 in January and signed the lease a week later. It it, it just was, you have to try. You, you have to try to do this. Now's the time to strike. This could potentially be hopefully my final act of my life, my third act. <laughs> I want to go out with a bang. And so I pulled the trigger and jumped in the deep end. And, and I love it that you put a bright neon pink uh, <laughs> sign right there on the second floor of the Murray building. Thank That's... you. I hope everybody loves it. I hope it's not <laughs> offensive. I've, I've gone back and forth on that, but I've had a lot of compliments. So Yeah, it gets people's eyeballs For, for now, so. we'll keep it, yeah. All right, what's your favorite band or artist? I'm going to say Paul Simon, but I truly love music from everywhere and all genres. Are you an early bird or a night owl? Well, I used to always be a night owl, but having the shop, I'm usually up by about 5 a.m. now. So, unfortunately. I noticed when I got to my (laughs) 40s that things change, and I just got up (laughs) earlier instead of later. Yes, yes. So, I can still stay up until all hours. Yeah. (laughs) But typically don't. What's your favorite book? East of Eden by John Steinbeck. Then what's your favorite movie? That's a tough one. There, There's a very obscure movie called Like Water for Chocolate, and you're going to have to read the subtitles to get through it because it, <laughs> um, it's not in English, but I think that's probably still my favorite movie. Have you ever met anyone super famous? No, I have never met anyone super famous. Right. But I'm not a starstruck kind of person, so... Star Wars or Star Trek? Why choose? <laughs> Good answer. Good answer. Thank you so much for being our guest today. Really appreciate you coming in the studio. Thank you so much for having me, Matt. It's an honor. So at the top of our podcast, we were talking that Adam at Forbidden Fruit Tattoo and Piercing is giving off $100 for Halloween-themed tattoos. Yes. This kind of has a Halloween-y type feel. Okay. Give me the topic okay. you have brought so to as, the podcast today. As we have talked, I am the cool one in this relationship, and I have a pulse on what the youths are doing on the TikToks and the memes, right? Yes. So yes. there is a meme going around. It's called the corpse to water ratio. <laughs> so I'm gonna sh- I'll show you this meme, but it's uh it's the Matrix guy. Okay. <laughs> and it says people will swim in the ocean even though there are definitely many corpses in it. People will not swim in a swimming pool with a corpse in it. 
Humans all have a corpse-to-water ratio that is acceptable for them to swim in. So, yes, I will not swim in a pool with a corpse. Right. Because that's, that's just a... What if it was a pool that was like an L-shaped and you couldn't see that there was a corpse on the other side? Now, if I did not know there was a corpse in the pool and I could not smell or see, touch, I'd, I'd probably swim, yes. Okay, but if you can see the corpse... But once you told me, I'd be out of that pool. Well, yeah, I would be too because that's gross. I... Here's the deal. I don't want to swim in the ocean anyway, because that's where the sharks live, and I don't need to be shark food. I don't go in. I don't but, go into their home. Of, they don't how come many into people my that home. have died in the water? Yeah, there's so many. And they keep shoving them in. Like I mean, if you die at sea, they shove you in the sea. They just shove you in. So how many corpses are there in the ocean? But now, also there's the race. There's the water. I don't know square footage or whatever ratio. Well, yeah, there's that. But also like things eat. These corpses in the water, so they don't, they, they're just not there anymore. They become fish food. And, and then they turn into fish poop. You're swimming in fish poop. It's gross. Yeah. We all pee That's in the ocean. called the ocean. Everyone pees in the ocean. <laughs> the fish pee in the ocean. Humans go in the ocean to pee. It's gross. You're swimming in fish pee. You're swimming in corpses and dead animals and just trash and now, grossness. I'm now, sorry. to bring this back I'm to sorry. Halloween, Halloween. Yes. do you remember the scene in Poltergeist? The movie by Steven Spielberg. Okay, yes. Where the lady falls in to the pool that is being filled by rainwater, and the corpses pop out of the water. Oh, yes, I do remember that. Uh, yeah. That's, that was the coolest. That's too many cor- wa- corpse-to-water what ratio. Name? Mary Beth something. But anyway, Mary, Mary Beth, Beth Williams. S- no? Steenberg? No. I, I can't remember what. No. no, it wasn't no. Steenberg. I know. I don't know. Whatever. That's We're, a whole different. That's episode. a whole different person. I know. Okay, so I... Again, because I am on the cutting edge of coolness and technology and everything. I've, yes. There's also a Reddit thread about the corpse to water ratio. It's under r slash shower thoughts. So all the deep thoughts you have while you're in the shower. Because all of our <laughs> listeners are going to go to Reddit right now. I'm and just check it saying out. that's where I found, <laughs> I'm citing my sources. Okay. 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 All right. So there's some funny people in here who are like, my rule of thumb is corpse in sight, no swimming tonight. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good one. If the corpse is floating, let's go boating. If the corpse is sunk, we're good for a dunk. Now, would you go boating if there were corpses in the water? I mean, because you're that not I could... getting in the water, you're on the boat. Not if I could see them. Not if it's like Titanic level of like corpses floating on the water. No, <laughs> <laughs> that wouldn't be your thing, man. No, no, gross. <laughs> Here, I thought you were young, hip, and cool. I am yum, hip and cool. Hold on. I've got a couple more. Corpse in arm's reach. I'm leaving the beach. Corpse in sight. No swimming. All right. <laughs> if the corpse smells of trash, best not to splash. <laughs> People have way too much time. I'm telling you. I know. <laughs> Someone else says, I would say one to two corpses per small lake, but the distance to the corpse would also be a large factor. What about the corpse you don't know about? The one that's like uh, has on the cement bottom. shoes and that's on the bottom. He's swimming with the fishes. I mean, I guess if I don't know about I it. I bet pond corpses take longer to break down than the ocean corpses. Would Probably. You, would you agree? Because Probably there's the not, not that many predators in the freshwater. You know, it's just little fish nibbling at you instead of a, a giant shark, a shark or something. Okay. I just heard this today on a podcast. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> 
Here we go. <laughs> it does have something to do with this. So there was a guy. They were going out looking for a tiger shark because they wanted to put it in their aquarium. So they found this tiger shark. This was back in like the 30s or something. So it was a long time ago. Long time ago. Found this tiger shark. They put it in their aquarium, swimming around for a while. All of a sudden, it starts acting weird. Barfs everywhere. Which I didn't know sharks could barf, but apparently they can. And people okay. are like, man, it smells disgusting. It is so gross. It's like brown and frothy and nasty. Anyway, barfs off an, an arm. An arm? An arm. With a tattoo. A very mis- like identifiable tattoo. Anyway. So long... this shark ate somebody's arm. They took it out of the water, put it in their aquarium. It no. barfs it up. But the story has more information. <laughs> I know. Now you're looking at the clock. I know. I'm going to make this quick. So no. So... The shark, because it barfed up an arm, they cut it open. Guess what? The shark had another shark inside of it. Ate It ate a smaller shark that had eaten the arm. Russian nesting doll of sharks. Like a turducken, but a shark. <laughs> and How big was this aquarium? The shark weighed a ton. Like a literal, actual ton. It was a huge shark that ate a smaller shark that had eaten the arm. But turns out, this guy got murdered. They put him... <laughs> they got murdered. They fed him to the sharks. They fed him to the sharks. The shark ate the arm. The, another shark ate that shark who ate the arm. Then got caught and put in an aquarium. Then barfed up the, all the the arm in the aquarium. And then they were like, "Whoa, what's going on?" And they had like a whole investigation because it was a whole thing. Anyway, there you go. <laughs> Corpse to water ratio. That's what it all comes back to. Thanks for joining us for this episode of Gone Boss. Be sure to check us out at GoneBoss.com or hashtag GoneBoss. We're on Instagram at GoneBoss2K or you can find us on Facebook just by searching Gone Boss. If you like what you heard today, be sure to rate, review, and subscribe wherever you find your podcasts. We're brought to you today by our sponsor, Forbidden Fruit Tattoo and Piercing on McAlliard in Muncie. Have a great rest of your day and don't forget to tune in next week to find out who has Gone, gone Boss. boss.